Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition with our host, Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. How are you? Good. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm super excited. My good friend, Dr. David Lee from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, in his bio, Dr. David Lee is a distinguished ABNS board-certified neurosurgeon in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, with over 20 years of experience uh, in working with patients. Uh, he is fellowship. He is a fellowship-trained spine specialist, and currently with Southern Bone and Joint Specialists. He is very active in the management of chronic pain, which is how I know Dr. Lee, and is a consultant for several companies who manufacture devices that treat this condition. Dr. Lee has several patients, uh, several patients. He has a lot of patients as well. Oh, patents. I was like, patients. Dr. Lee also has several patents. Dr. Lee, welcome to Understanding the Human Condition. Thank you. Well, I had a question for Dr. Lee um, about one of those patents. Uh, How many patents did you, do you have, Dr. Lee? Uh, I've got one right now we're writing up and there's, I think, five other ones that are all spine devices. Because there was one that I was reading about. It's a machine that provides spine surgeons with a test that's 79% more accurate than the typical MRI machines, and it also reduces cancer-causing radiation exposure. Now, that was something from a few years back, so I'm sure it's like, you know. Yeah, a lot of those, most of the things that we're developing now are, are, you know, mechanical-type implants and things of that nature. Like I said, I spend all my day uh, treating spine patients now. I, I quit doing cranial surgery a few years back. But I, I did my fellowship in spine after doing my residency in neurosurgery. So, uh, yeah, I, we just we focus all our time and energy on spine. I've got, you know, some physician assistants and nurse practitioners who work with me. Then I'm in a big orthopedic group here in town where there's, you know, 14 or 15 orthopedic spine surgeons in our group. And then we have neurology, physiatry, and, and um, all the ancillary services as well as a, as a big surgery center. So uh, we kind of try to provide comprehensive, you know, bone and joint care, so to speak. But I, my focus is entirely on spine. Yep. In the event there's someone listening who doesn't know what a sur- neurosurgeon is or does, can you explain that to the audience? Yeah, I mean, neurosurgery is, uh, is a field of medicine where we're, you know, we're focused on both operative and non-operative treatment of, of the conditions related to the, uh, the brain and the spinal cord and spine and peripheral nerves. And so, you know, it may be something as simple as a carpal tunnel release that we do routinely versus you know, taking a ruptured disc out of your back or fixing a neck fracture, uh, you know, those are things we do routinely. Uh, in addition, you know, once again, a majority of the people who do it are still practicing cranial surgery. So once again, if you have a brain tumor, if you had a stroke, things like that, we deal with diagnosis and treatment of those conditions as well. So it's a, it's a pretty broad field as far as there are people who specialize in movement disorders that treat Parkinson patients uh, for tremors. There's, you know, you can get 
very sub very specific in subspecialty areas of neurosurgery. Uh, there are certain doctors who are only pediatric neurosurgeons and, and ones who do the spine and ones who do, you know, um, uh, tumor and vascular surgery like aneurysms and things like that. So it's just a broad field, uh, it, it, you know, it's, as opposed to neurology. Neurology is more of the treatment of, of headaches and seizures and in, uh, doing things like that. So it's kind of a different spinoff. But we do do a lot of operative treatment. But we also see a lot of non-operative things as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and you do a lot in sports medicine with, can you could talk a little bit more about that too? Yeah, we, well, you know, we've, we've got some things that we're working on as far as products related to a, like a pre-concussion cream that you would apply to your, topically to the carotid arteries uh, that provides a, uh, you do it before any type of contact sport in, in case you took a head, either concussive or self-concussive blow to the head. To, it's, it's like an anti-inflammatory effect to kind of lessen the the injury to the brain. We're also, I'm also involved uh, with a company that's producing a, uh, a neuropeptide that you would be, uh, in, inhale it like a nose, nasal spray that would actually help treat concussion. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, Brett Farb and I are both involved in those two companies. Uh, you know, Brett, Brett's from Hattiesburg as well, or lives here in town, and uh, and we'll probably have him on on a subsequent visit. But, uh, you know, he and I both uh, work with these two companies. Mm-hmm. They're kind of related companies, but, but separate in other ways. But uh, he and I are both on their advisory board for those type products. You bet. You know, you and I worked together and, and had a multidisciplinary chronic pain program. So for patients that you were seeing, a lot of your patients, obviously, with spine difficulties and the, the work that you do on the spine, a lot of patients have chronic pain prior to coming to see you. And then sometimes uh, come in with severe depression, severe anxiety, fear, grief, avoidance, uh, 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 somewhat of a poor attitude saying, I'll never be able to accomplish anything again. How do you think psychology fits into your practice and, and in the world of chronic pain, treating a chronic pain patient? You know, and this is something I see every day, every day of the week, I have to deal with chronic pain, but you know, I, in my practice in particular, I do most of the, uh, of this area's um, spinal cord stimulation. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the worst of the worst when it comes to the chronic pain patients. And like you said, just take a typical, you know, like a, an injury of any type. It doesn't have to be a work comp injury. It could be any type of injury. If you look at the, the pathology and then what happens afterwards for the psychology of it, you know, initially, you know, if, to get not too technical, uh, a stimulus is applied to a nociceptor. A nociceptor is just a cell or you know, receptor on your body that registers whether it's pressure, temperature, something that, that's a noxious stimulus. Uh-huh. And then those signals get transmitted uh, from the nerve through the autonomic and, and, and the central to the um, spinal cord, the dorsal columns. And then that information is relayed to the thalamus of your brain, which is part of your uh, the deep brain. And then it's sent to several areas, including the limbic system. The limbic system is a, a, the emotional center of your brain. And so all these areas kind of tie in together. You know, there's, there's the physical contact that causes the stimulation, but then there's all this cascade of things that get set into motion and then, you know, take the typical person who gets hurt. They hurt their back on a working offshore. Right. Uh, they get sent home and, you know, they can't go back to work within two weeks. They get an MRI scan. They're put on narcotics. They're given anti-inflammatories. They're given ice packs, things like that. And then they don't get better. They're, they're getting paid not to work. Right. So there's a secondary gain issue right there that they have off the bat. Uh, and then because they're hurt, their wife uh, or husband says, well, well, you can't mow the yard. You can't take the kids to school. I'll do that. So they become less involved, the less active they get, 
you don't get an endorphin release because they're not exercising. So you get a little bit of depression builds up. Then you have to get a lawyer and because you can't go back to work. And then right. this, this cycle gets set into play where, you know, it's so, there's so much emotional component to it. You no longer, no longer have just that physical stimulus that causes the receptor to be activated, but you've got this entire cascade of, of psychological things, whether it's secondary gain. And secondary gain is not just intentional. You know, right. it's, it's subconscious. I mean, you can't help but get depressed, withdrawn, and then you focus on your pain at that point. And then you catastrophize you know, you feel like everything is magnified because you, know, you have nothing else to do. And then you throw on top of that the opiates, you know, and then you, yep. the more you take, the more the receptors, you know, get blocked and you have to take more of them and things That's like right. that. And it's just this vicious cycle. You have to intervene at some level, which is what we try to do, you know, with some of these people. You have to get them into a psychiatric program or psychology program mm -hmm. just to break the pain cycle so that you can actually start to heal. That's exactly right. And that's that program that he and I did together. And, you know, patients would come eight hours a day, five days a week for 20 to 30 days at a time. And when they came in, you know, take the Beck depression inventory, the Beck anxiety inventory, people would score severe, severe depression, severe anxiety, severe avoidance, uh, a lot of secondary gain issues as well. And like Dr. Lee said, not all of it is uh, intentional. A lot of it is, is, uh, behavioral, right? Or the wife or the husband says, let me do the dishes or let me do this for you. And it kind of becomes a habit. And all of a sudden their body begins to atrophy. Their mind begins to atrophy because they're not having to work. They're not doing anything. And they get in this cycle and their life just starts to spin out of control. And they think that an opiate or a surgery is going to help them. And, and knowing Dr. Lee for as long as I've known him, he's not going to do surgery unless it's necessary. He did surgery on my father-in-law just, I think, a year ago or so and, uh, and then saw him again recently. And he, he came in, I think he had an L4, L5 disc herniation. Uh, Dr. Lee ended up doing a fusion, I believe. He's doing well now. He had foot drop. He's exercising. He's going to physical therapy. But, you know, here's someone that has worked in the forest uh, cutting down trees for 60 years of his life, right? And worked mm -hmm. outside and then he had this chronic pain. And it's someone that isn't depressed, but pain will make you depressed. Mm -hmm. And 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 you think, oh my gosh, I have to have surgery. And many times surgery is appropriate, but it's not always appropriate. But for the patients who you and I both see and we've seen for years and uh, we're in the middle of this opiate epidemic in the country, all apart, take apart um, uh, COVID that we're going through. We have this other huge epidemic that we see, and that's the opiate crisis. And uh, people who have experienced hyperalgesia need more and more and more to be, have the same effect on them. Part of my lecturing around the country when I'm talking about chronic pain and culture, there is an absolute cultural difference between different parts of the world. And I always ask my audience, I practice in, in mostly in Houston, Texas, uh, Houston and the three counties that surround us have about 8 million people in it. I've been practicing here for about 29 years, and I always ask the audience, how many Asian patients do you think that I've seen in my practice? And they're like, God, hundreds. Houston has a huge Asian community. I've treated less than five. Yeah, yeah less than five. And you are exactly right. It is, I need it now. I need it fixed now. I want to know how to fix it. You're a physician. I need you to fix it for me. And, and I need to feel better today. And so many times that first answer is, is you know, uh, and you guys are so busy in your jobs that, and these patients come back and they come back and they come back. But around the country, what happened is, is Joint Commission actually said to hospitals, if you don't treat pain adequately, 
we're going to take your joint commission accreditation away. So that opened Pandora's box and said, oh my gosh, we have to prescribe medications. And it really mm. just opened this whole epidemic up when Joint Commission did that after, not to be political here at all, but I think with good intentions, but Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton in the 90s, named the 90s the decade of pain. And he signed into law that uh, you must treat pain adequately. Not you should, but you must. And when that becomes part of joint commission then, and then it becomes part of the law, and your patients are like, I'm on, a, I'm on, on that scale of one to 10, I'm a 10, then write me a prescription. And that's what happened in the hospitals that I, you know, in the hospital systems. And, you know, post-surgery now, speaking of my father-in-law over in Mississippi, my mother-in-law had a quadruple bypass surgery. And I think it was two hours, maybe three hours after surgery, she was walking loops around her floor. And they were making her get up and walk and hold a pillow. Uh -huh. and, and, and she did it. But years ago, it was like, let's stay in bed. And if your mm -hmm. back is hurt, you know, Dr. Lee, my grandfather was a surgeon. And when I was growing up, he would tell patients with back pain, lay down and rest, and it'll get better in a week or two. Mm -hmm. That's the worst advice you would give today, right? We need to move, and we need to oil our backs and keep busy and keep moving. So you No, know, it's, it's funny, though, that, that you know, with, in the Clinton years where we're, you know, and the Joint Commission putting out that you had to treat pain and you had this pendulum shift where everything swapped over to you. You got, you know, opiate for anything, you know, and you could, I, you know, I've seen people that are smiling saying they have a 12 out of 10 pain. Yes. And then and then they come in and they're on, you know, 30 milligram oxycodone tablets four times a day and they walk in smiling and they don't have a limp. And then all of a sudden, you know, this everything shifts to where now, I hate to say it, but now pain is probably undertreated because the pendulum has gone back the other direction, and you're almost criminalized if you ask for pain medication now. And particularly the ones that get harmed are the ones who have been on it so long that That's right. they really need they need they need rehab to get off of it rather than cold turkeying it. So you have to be careful what you wish for because it's really, you know, it's a it's just that that paradigm shift over that rapid of a, of a period can be dangerous too. I agree. People get undertreated to some degree. That's right. And, and the pendulum that you're talking about, I always uh, talk about in my lecture that, that many physicians went from opophilia to opophobia, right? And mm -hmm. saying, I'm not going to prescribe these medications. I will not do it. What advice would you give uh, chronic pain patients today that, you know, yesterday I spoke with a woman in Dallas, Texas, who had a she has a herniation at L4, L5, and S, I forget what was wrong with S1, but L4, L5. And she asked who the best neurosurgeon in the country was. And I said, well, if you're, if you're able to travel to Mississippi, you need to go see David Lee. <laughs> but what advice would you give someone today that has ongoing chronic pain and hasn't felt that relief yet? Yeah, it, it really depends upon the problem, you know, because, you know, there's, if you've got a deficit of some type, you know, say you've got you know, a pinched nerve and you're developing a foot drop like you, like your father-in-law did. I mean, that's, yeah. that's something that has to be, you know, you probably need to have that fixed, you know, and you yeah. can work those things up and, and figure out where you are on the, on the scale of needing surgery based upon typically an MRI myelogram and an EMG, you know, like a nerve conduction test. But, uh, you know, for somebody with just with chronic pain, you know, people, I, I see people in my practice every day who've had hip surgery, knee surgery, ankle surgery, back surgery, you know, and, and they, they're just not better and they're, you know, they're not asking for narcotics. They're wanting to get off the narcotics. Right. And so, you know, there are options for people that have those conditions. And typically you're diagnosed with what's called, it used to be called, a, um, what's called a complex regional pain syndrome. Now right. we see a lot of those people that have it. Um, we offer spinal cord stimulation. 
you know, there still yep. are some opiate people, uh, that people who place opiate pumps in, in place so you don't get the euphoria and you could still function, but th those aren't near as, near as common. But the um, spinal cord stimulators are a really good option for people. They're minimally invasive, even, the, and, and you try them first. You don't just implant an $18,000 battery. It's, it looks like a pacemaker battery, mm -hmm. and you'll go in and do a trial. So there's certainly options for people with chronic pain, whether it's from joint pain, back pain, uh, some type of nervous condition or, or nerve condition. So those are certainly options. And you find a reputable, you know, either a neurosurgeon, orthopedic spine surgeon who deals with chronic pain patients and at least get an evaluation. That's right. Absolutely. Well, I can't believe this, but our show has, we've been given the two minute warning, <laughs> unfortunately. So I'll have to pick I, this back up again. Yeah. I was beating my head up, hand on my head, trying to think what CRPS, it was RSD. Reflex RSD. sympathetic dystrophy, yeah. yeah. Right. And they moved it over to CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome. You're amazing as always. I can't wait to get over to Hattiesburg. Uh, I can be reached at Southern Bone and Joint Specialist PA here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We've got a website. Okay. You can uh, book appointments and things like that online. That's great. And we will put that information on our website at jflowershealth.com. And you can reach us at, at jflowershealth at 713-783-6655 or again, jflowershealth.com.